Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. It's a podcast which brings you the best of our show. Today, myself and Simon reflected on France beating Morocco to reach the World Cup final. Following the Argentinian celebrations the other night, which included references to the Falklands War, we ask at what point does dressing room camaraderie cross the line? And despite a report which supports UEFA and FIFA's case with regard to the European Super League, Simon explains why the controversial proposals could still happen. Moroccans were there last night, yep. Simon, in a stadium you and I know very well, yep. in a part of the world you and I came to know pretty well. Uh, but, brave or not, it's over for them. I mean, it's something else, isn't it, that an African team got as far this time around and almost, almost got to a final. Yeah. I mean, you have to say that their achievement and the teams that they put out was remarkable. And, of course, going into a game against the French, disadvantaged by the loss of key players prior to the game and during the game would have not helped their calls. A goalkeeper that makes a very good save. Yeah. Um, that yeah. you know keeps France 1-0 up are all component parts. But when you listen to the manager after the game talking about it, it wasn't the tactics, it wasn't the players' application or ability to overcome France. It was the sheer lack of physicality that they had left in them to be able to compete with the depletion of the squad. And people will say, well, so France were depleted before the tournament. Mm. But I think we're talking about depths. You know, there's no argument that the Moroccan depth of squad would be anywhere near as strong as the French depth, irrespective of they've lost N'Golo Kante and uh, Paul Pogba and Karim Benzema. Yeah. There was still a difference in perception and quality of player between the two ta- between the two nations. I think the Moroccans can take an inordinate amount of pride from this tournament and self-respect and value in their football, and it will open people's eyes to different continents and what they can achieve on the world stage. So I think it's actually been quite a compelling tournament, even from that point of view. Yeah. So the Moroccans come away having been, been beaten by the French. We've got the final that lots of people might have anticipated from the outset, with the exception of the Brazilians not making the mix. Um, and I think that Morocco now should lead, should should try to build upon this as a launch sequence yes, to stabilise their international football and to put more value into their football on the world stage. Uh, what about Didier Deschamps? So the French now 
on the brink of winning this thing. Uh, I just d- want to pair back, Jim, because we're very adept at pointing out things that happen in our football. I mean, there was lots of riots and situations going on in and around France yesterday evening about Moroccans that were rioting in the streets. So when ha- these things happen in our football and p- fans don't behave in the greatest of fashions... Of course. There was some stuff going on with Moroccan fans and French yep. fans in Montpellier and places like that. that we unrest. Do need to shine, unrest that we do need to shine a light on because we're very good at shining a light on what happens when we make mistakes. No, absolutely. It's, it's more than relevant to mention that. Mm. Um, obviously, um, obviously, emotions were running high and I'm sure that some of them would take to the streets in, 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 not, in not the right kind of absolutely. way. On Didier Deschamps, Simon, he's aiming to become the second manager in yeah. history to win remarkable. consecutive World Cups. It is remarkable. That's we remarkable. haven't seen this since 1962 yeah. when Brazil did it. So what about, if you if you are an owner in the Premier League now, are you looking at Deschamps thinking, uh-huh, well, yeah, he could do as a job. He's only 54. He's only 54. And you could make the same argument about Wackham Lowe. But the difference between these guys and our guy is these guys had quite illustrious club management careers where they managed some of the biggest clubs. They had win records that would stack up there with the best. In Deschamps', Deschamps case, you're looking at Monaco, Juventus and Marseille and having win records that would make him very, very appealing to uh, Premier League football clubs from the point of view of having been uh, a, a, you know, a very successful club manager. Yeah, yeah. You look at Joachim Lowe, he's the same. They've all got 50, 60% win records. Our boy's got a 29% win record as a domestic manager at Middlesbrough. And then you look at it and say, well, actually, here's the most compelling part of it. They've won things for their national sides. Right. So with that in mind... He is a winner. The difference yeah. is... He's is, been out of the domestic game for 10 years. And that's years. the question. That's, yeah. the, that's, that's the point where you start to say, can I, can I get a route back for that in my mind? Yeah. Um, can I suggest that ultimately someone that's been managing a French national side for 10 years with a different skill set, whole different set of applications required, and someone that managed the German side for 15 years that have been entranced in international football, losing the discipline and the routine of domestic football, yeah. would then be a compelling prospect for... A domestic side. I think, again, to use an overused expression, they should be in the thinking and in the conversation if if a vacancy comes for a significant Premier League side and Didier Deschamps decides his future is no longer to be the national team manager... Absolutely. The guy's, be in there. guy's got a 65% win record with Juventus. Exactly. The guy's got a 67% win record with France. These exactly. guys win. Yeah. That's, that's a winner. And a winner's a winner. Absolutely. And he's he's shown that as a player yeah. he was, and yeah. uh, now as a manager, he certainly is. And if he does it again on Sunday, then who's to say the Premier League might not beckon for Didier Deschamps? The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. But Simon, what about Argentina? Now, yesterday... You were none too complimentary about the man Messi, who many want to see lift the <laughs> trophy. Not true. The romance of Lionel Messi lifting the World Cup above his head. Yeah, there's something in it. There is something in it. If he gets it at last, would that be justice? For the sentimental, yes. That uh, one of the best players, if not the best player in the world, not according to Piers Morgan, but I think he is, uh, would be lifting the trophy above his head. But that's just part of the story this morning because it's emerged, and I've read Matt Lawton in the Times this morning, Argentina's players celebrated their World Cup semi-final win over Croatia by singing a song that insults the English and references the Falklands War. So I must admit, I've had no idea what they're singing when I've looked at Messi and the rest of them, DePaul and all his cronies in the dressing room. But they burst into song and they think, oh, good for them. But then what are they singing? So apparently the song has the lyrics what happened Brazil the yeah. shriveling five times champion Messi went to Rio and clinched the Copa we are the Argentina army and we will always sing because we dream of being world champions that's how I am I'm Argentinian the English expletives 
from the <laughs> Falklands. I don't forget. That's how I am. I come to sing and follow Argentina everywhere. So there is a word in there, Simon, as well, putos, which is used putos. to describe the... Putos. putos yeah. Used to describe the English. Uh, how would I describe that? It's got homophobic connotation. So wh- where are we with this? Where does dressing room camaraderie become offensive? Is this a perfect example of it? Depends who wants to take offence. No one in this world has the right not to be offended. You know, and ultimately that's the scenario that we live in and too many people seem to think that they are immune from being offended and as a result of being offended that the people that are offending them should be subsequently consequenced or cancelled. I'm not entirely in that camp. I do think there's an element of puerility to it. I do think there's an element of unnecessary... Um, uh, jingoism about these sort of things but if this, what's, if this is what floats the Argentinians boat then let them sing what they want I can understand the rivalry because it's fierce between them and the Brazilians which is basically ridiculing the Brazilians achievements because the Brazilians will have you believe and they were quite happy to do samba dancing in front of the South Koreans it's all fair game it's unnecessary it's a bit silly yeah, um, but, but I don't think it's let them sing what they want because they're singing what they want well that's my point and so, it ain't good well is it bad is it that offensive? I mean, you know, it's 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 antagonistic, but you can only be antagonised if you allow... You can control your emotions. People can control their reaction to it. People can turn around and say, silly little footballers dancing around, you know, reciting things that have no, no real relevance, shows their limited IQ and their jingoistic mentality. Now, one thing I do like is the fact that they weren't... They are consistent in their, in their slightly unpleasant nature because they weren't the ones running around with the virtue signalling, needing to have badges and take knees and whatever else. So at least they're consistent in their unpleasantness. And so I suppose perhaps I've never <laughs> forgiven... South Americans for shooting Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But that's a different discussion. You know, you look at it and say, these things can be elevated. We can turn them into something like, oh, this is a xenophobic attack upon the British. Or we can just say, it's a silly little song that doesn't need to find the light of day. And if we want to turn it into something that we're offended by, then that says as much about us as it does about them. But can we honestly fob it off? Yes, we like can. Like that as a silly little song? I can, yeah. Because I would have thought this morning there'll be veterans of the Falklands War listening to this show. I remember the Falcon situation. Yeah. I remember everything that happened around it. So Me do too. you. Now, there'll be veterans listening this morning, might be tuning in to us on a regular basis. Yeah. We're like, no. This is more than a silly little song. I actually went out there and did my bit. And that's right. For, for uh, this country. Uh, and, and, the now, the and, the Argentinians, and the Argentinians have their view... And on on Malvinas, the islands of of the Falklands that they how they uh, how they name them, and they have a different view to the view that we did. And we fought a war, and that war comes with consequences. And military people will understand that. And Argentinians will have their view on the on the, on on that particular subject matter. And that's why I was saying yesterday, saying, why are we in this country embracing this sentimental as- ideal that somehow Messi's our new hero, and we want the World Cup to be won for him? And so with that in mind, that just repositions the sentimentality of things and gets people back into focus. And in this instance, I think it's just jingoistic tripe. And if you ask them to describe what happened in the Falklands, automatically sit me down and tell me what the Falklands War represented to you. That's right. You'd get very little back in response. Probably. And the same thing applies to when all these footballers are virtue signalling their way to scenarios where they don't want to make any sacrifices. OK, what we want you to do, Argentinian footballers, is donate a significant proportion of your winnings to casualties of the Falklands War for your own Argentinian people, and they probably would stop short of doing that. So it's jingoistic tribe. Yeah. And we can turn it into something that's offensive, we can be offended by it, or we can give it the due um, disinterest that it probably deserves. But it shows them in a different light. 
um, and it shows them in a different context. And there'll be many, many, many football songs that are offensive to people. And we've seen them and we're seeing them being argued and disputed about. You know, we've seen Liverpool get very, very cross about the conduct of lots of football clubs, Man City, Manchester United, uh, and the referencing of Hillsborough. And obviously there's been historic situations when Man United have been very, very cross about the referencing of Munich air crashes, which was constantly put on their doorsteps by football clubs. I grew up, I heard those songs, so it's not just oh, about what I happened know. at Hillsborough. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, these, yeah. these things are unnecessary. And footballers and football federations should not want their players to pass this image off because it's, it detracts and distracts from the beauty of the game. But yeah. I also think there is, a, there is a flip side to this. If this was our players doing this, we would be, our players would be slaughtered in our press. We would be slaughtered for behaving this way. So you know, would you are, be having the same reaction if it was English boys singing this? Yeah, I'd say. Well, I'd say there were idiots for doing it. I'd yeah. say that you know you can only be offended if you choose to be, um, and to move along. But I don't think our players would do it. Welsh might do it. Oh no! I can't. Well, they did, didn't they? Come on! I'm not going to forget that 2016 nonsense. Simon, I mean, I, I, just while you're talking to me, I'm looking at some of the messages. So many messages coming in in this. Trevor in Southampton. I, 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 guys, uh, I've been listening. It's a riveting discussion. Simon, as usual, it, you're absolutely on the money with it. Um, he said that why would you want to get uptight about this kind of thing? Let them do it. Let them go on with it. Here's Darren, West Brom fan. Morning to you both. I'm a veteran of the Falklands War. And what I get offended by isn't the song itself, it's the fact that other people are getting offended on my behalf. Well said. I never asked them to. Who do they think they are? This is just another case of towing the woke line. Simon's nailed it. Just go over it. It's virtue signaling. Nothing more than that. Yeah. But uh, there are those out there, I would have thought, who have a case, who, who are offended, and maybe the right to be offended. So where does dressing room camaraderie become offensive? Jay, big Arsenal fan. Jay, good morning to you. Guys, good morning. How are we doing? Very good, thank you, mate. What do you want to say in this, Jay? I mean, like I say, I want to point out I've got no bones in terms of like I'm not a veteran or anything like that, but I say it, and I said it to your colleague, Simon is absolutely right on this. This is something that is being blown massively out of proportion, and I genuinely think that if we are a group of fans as a nation, and I will remind everybody that we have been sanctioned as a football association for singing songs such as 10 German Bombers, etc., etc., etc. We can't sit there and say we are whiter than white and then start throwing stones at other people and then start sanctioning them and saying this isn't acceptable, this isn't acceptable, yeah. when the voice of our nation have been sanctioned for singing songs such as that, referencing World War II, all of these different things when we play Germany. So I think that we have no right to be offended by this to a point. And again, that caller saying and the, the person coming in saying that they're a veteran and they don't want people to be offended on their behalf, they're absolutely right. They're right. So you, you don't think a punishment of any sort is appropriate, Jay? No, because I just feel that, again, like when you look at the sort of punishments that are handed out by FIFA for certain things like this, it's not going to stop players and fans not referencing this. And if you could turn around and say it was an England-Argentina final and our fans were not singing chants in the stadium that weren't referencing the Falkland Islands, then fine. But I guarantee that there would have been a percentage of people in the stadium that night if it were to be that way yeah. that would have been singing those songs and chanting yeah. it. And then Jay, we would have been yeah. very offended if it had been the other way around. Jay, that's so. a very good call and your point's well made. Thank you for joining us. Here's Paul, a West Brom fan. Paul, good morning. What, what do you think of this? Yeah, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. Great show. Good morning, um, Paul. Thank you. 
Yeah, I'm an ex-Falklands veteran. I was at the Battle of Down in Goose Green with the 2nd Battalion, the Parachute Regiment. Um, this doesn't offend me at all. Um, like the previous caller was saying, it's other people getting offended on our behalf. I mean, I was always quite funny when Mexico were playing and they were singing, in the Malvinas, they speak English as an insult to the Italians, uh, Argentinians, sorry. And also it's quite amusing. Right. So I can't take offence when they then start singing a song, taking the mick out of us. I'm, I'm really sick of all the virtual signalling of people becoming offended over things. More importantly, being offended for other people. I think it's time that we just need to think there's more important things in life than what goes on in a dressing room of a football game. Oh, um, what, what an interesting take on that from you. I'll let Simon respond to that well, because you're right, nodding all the time well, to of course what Paul's he's, I mean, saying. I mean, he, he, this is the very subject matter and the people that we're speaking about, and it's what I said at the top of the conversation, which is people being offended on behalf of others. And if you've got a Falklands veteran that's sitting there saying, well, I see it for what it is. It's a bunch of overpaid, undereducated, uh, without the history of this situation, not particularly invested in it, just singing a jingoistic load of old tripe. Why would I be offended by it? And that's precisely the sort of position I've taken, and Paul sums it up better than I did, because he's in a position to do so. I know you'll probably have a swipe at me for this, but I think FIFA should almost be sending a, some kind of statement to the Argentinian camp saying we don't want a repeat of it. Well, I mean... It's, I, it's not showing yeah, there your is guys that. up in the best There light. is that. I, I always feel the best... It's not mes- showing football in the The best light. message from FIFA is no message. You know, the least I hear from FIFA, the happier I am. We've heard from FIFA on a number of times its occasions, and it's riddled me this, riddled me that. I don't I, think they know I where agree, they're Arthur or Martha. I think a fine of any description here is pointless. Well, yeah, because probably what that fine will do is go into the coffers of FIFA and aid and abet some more corporate trips for them. I mean, what does it do? It's a, it's, it's a sanction that is a, it's almost like a. a, a, a a, 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 a sanction without consequence because if you're going to find the Argentinian FA fifty thousand quid for the yeah. for some silly song in the dressing room, yeah, what's the players? What's the, what the players going to lose a couple of grand each? Yeah, or, exactly. Or really, well, one thing, we that, won't one they? thing we do know is there's one heck of a final set up though. Argentina, France, one heck of a final. What a, what, Messi what a, against what a, what a dreadful conundrum for us. Now we don't. Now I don't want the Argentine. I mean, I don't totally like the bloody French. Yeah. But I d- definitely don't want the Argentinians to win now. So I'm I'm torn between which disease I like least. Really? The Argentinians or the French? Disease. That's yes. a bit over the top. Well, there we are. Why don't you meet me? We're going to have a nice romantic <laughs> walk down with the Thames on Sunday. Not watch it at all. Of course we'll watch it. It's mm. Argentina, France, and it's live and talk sport. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We are turning our attention to a story that has broken in the last hour. A 50-page report published by the European Court of Justice by the Advocate General Anastasios Rantos. Now, it was examining whether or not FIFA and UEFA abused their position by banning participants and threatening sanctions on clubs wanting to participate in last year's Super League. If you remember, when the Super League plans were announced, UEFA uh, UEFA stepped forward and fined nine of the clubs involved and there were threats from FIFA that any of the players involved from any of the clubs might not be able to take part in future World Cups. This was far-reaching and it had implications. Now, since then, this legal process has begun. It's been backed by Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus. Now, the report has outlined that FIFA and UEFA were well within their rights to threaten sanctions, as they did last year. And going forward, it is not viewed as a breach of EU law for FIFA and UEFA to exert control and approve future competitions. Now, this report is non-binding, but it's widely accepted. It will influence the final verdict, which is due to be delivered by 15 judges, no less, sometime next spring. So this is a kick in the teeth for those clubs who backed the Super League. Over in Qatar, former Arsenal Vice Chairman David Dean has just given his reaction to our own Alex Crook uh, on the first part of this ruling. I think it's very welcome news. As you know, my own personal opinion was that I found the whole concept of the Super League abhorrent. I thought that um, it wasn't in the best interest of football generally. And I'm pleased it was consigned to the waste paper basket. And uh, let's hope now we can move on because I think it would be it would have been a serious threat to the Champions League and, of course, to the domestic leagues in Europe, particularly to, to the Premier League, who would have suffered. Um, so now I, I think we can all move on with, with that threat uh, taken about, although there is still, I understand, a further judgment to be heard later on. But let's hope this is indicative and that it really won't come back again. I think UEFA are surprised that the courts have come out so strongly at this initial hearing in their favour. Has it surprised you as well? I was open-minded, you know, can tell with court hearings, but the fact that it is in UEFA's favour is very important for the game because the game must be, must be based on democracy, it must be based on fairness, and it must be based on, on merit. The game itself, you've got 11 against 11, you want an even playing field. It just cannot be by selectivity that because a club happens to be Juventus or Manchester United or Arsenal, that they can just be catapulted into a sterile league without promotion and relegation. I find that wrong. I think you get there by merit. And I think UEFA and indeed FIFA have their competitions which are sound and based on on merit. And that's the way it should be. Is that how you see it? Is this a victory for meritocracy? Well, I think it is a victory for meritocracy, although it's not a final victory, but it's certainly a very good indication. And uh, I'm delighted. 
And what does it mean, do you think, for the future of, of English football? We know that Manchester United and, uh, and Liverpool are already up for sale. Do you think some clubs' owners now, their appetite to, to continue uh, to, to lead the clubs may be diminished by this? Certainly Liverpool and Manchester United, my own personal opinion is that I think perhaps one of the reasons why they have been put up for sale is the fact that of the, of the failure of the, of the Super League concept. And um, maybe they'll think that it's, it's harder now to reach the, the goal that they were thinking of and it's going to take longer. Um, but uh, so be it. Whatever happens, sport is a sport and it's got to be based on meritocracy. That's, that's my starting and finishing point. That was former uh, Arsenal yeah. vice chairman David Dean. And there's nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with what he said there. Yeah. Because I think anybody in their right mind would understand the principles of a league and a football framework being built upon meritocracy. That is the only reason the European Super League was not acceptable. That's the only reason. The, 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 the idea that um, UEFA and FIFA, which by their very definition are cartels and monopolies themselves are subsequently beyond reproach and are, 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 are seated in the best interest of the game, I find very conflicting because we've already seen what FIFA is. We've seen it for ourselves. And I don't think UEFA are too far better. I think they are a better version and I think Seferin is a better version of some of the FIFA executives. Quite a FIFA. Exe- I, I, what, are, what are FIFA? I think they were fiefdom. I think they're an organisation that's seated in a lack of transparency. I think it's been a conclave of decision-making processes that are deeply flawed. And, and I don't think that they are actually the force for good in the game that people allude to. Them. And if you look back into the history of them, from awarding World Cups to Argentina in 1978, to the corruption that's gone on, to the attempt to clean house, to the manner in which they operate now, I still think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I look at these Swiss-owned entities that are in situs where we can never quite see behind the framework of what they do with a great deal of trepidation. Where David Dean and everyone is right... They are, it's undeniable that sport has to be based upon meritocracy. Yeah. And that was the only reason the European Super League... It was a fishing expedition right. from these European Super League clubs that are still in the mix to see if they could land a blow on UEFA, to see if they could get them under anti-competition laws. It was a fishing expedition. But again, I ask the question, why shouldn't there be a challenge uh, to the to the cartel that UEFA have. Yeah, but this thing's dead now, Simon, isn't it? No, I don't think it's, it's dead. dead I think How it, can it come back it's, now? It's dead in the guise that it should be dead in. That, gu- that guise that existed, which was self-serving, was based upon legacy rather than achievement. It was a trap door that was closed behind with nobody else benefiting it from besides those 12 clubs or however many clubs were going to be in the environment, including David Dean's Arsenal, that, you know, was actually... A, 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 an absolute exercise in ridiculousness. Right? Now, do I think that, um, that that the reasons why Liverpool and Man United are not up for sale is because the European Super League don't be so bleeding stupid. The landscape of football is about broadcasting deals. Competitions are huge revenue spinners. That's why FIFA want to have a World Club Championship. That's why that's why they're expanding the, the international forum to 48 teams yeah. uh, for the World Cups. That's why you've got UEFA changing the configuration of the Champions League and the distributions that go underneath it. But 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 the broadcasting landscape for football is still immense. And there are still opportunities for the principles of the uh, things I've discussed with you about Netflix of football. So the idea... Yeah, but Simon, come on. This is one in the eye for Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus. No, this is one in the They've eye. They've been sent scurrying. This is, this is one in the UEFA eye. UEFA and FIFA have flexed their muscles saying, hey, by the way, no, we, we are no, in no, charge no. of what you do and no, what you no, don't UEFA do. UEFA and FIFA, because of the nature of the entity they signed up to, they sought to go around the rules that they willingly signed up to. 
Now, currently, under the auspice of the rules that they signed up to, they decided to break away from UEFA and put a breakaway competition that had no meritocracy attached to it, and by the governance of the rules they signed up to, they couldn't do it. Now, they've challenged that. They've challenged it under a particular statute and said it breaks EU anti-competition laws. Right, so they lost. And they've had a knockback. Right. So they'll come again in a different guise, with a different framework well, and a different principle. not as long principle. as you, FIFA and UEFA are around. Well, that's not necessarily true because ultimately things can be overcome. Currently, they're being caught in a trap that ultimately their membership of UEFA and FIFA, not so much FIFA, FIFA not in this conversation, FIFA... It's, was, was, it's more UEFA, you're it's right. More UEFA, right. Uh, but UEFA, you can't be members of UEFA. And you can't be- break away oh, without yeah. UEFA. And, and therein becomes the challenge about what they're prepared to do. Yeah. What are you prepared to do? I tell you what the Premier League clubs were prepared to do was jettison the Football League and form a breakaway league. So it depends what's at risk, what's at stake, how much capital is available. One of the reasons that the European Super League didn't come off the ground, not just fan resistance, not just the ridiculous nature of the cowardice of clubs that decided to participate and then didn't want to go the whole hog because they, as I use the analogy, got off the stall in the first round, didn't throw a punch, sat down and quit. Right? Why did you bother in the first place? Is the lack of financial uh, support behind it. Five billion was what was being put behind this. If someone comes along and puts 15, 20 billion because they can see the potential of a tournament of this scale, again, this conversation will come again. If it then becomes steeped in meritocracy, steeped in promotion and relegation, steeped in benefits that supersede that of UEFA. Yeah. Why would we just suggest that UEFA and FIFA sit in an, in an environment where they're unchallengeable? Because we've seen what they're capable of. So what do you make of this from Professor Carl Ligo? Okay, who's he? Jim, Simon, morning. I'm a barrister and professor of law. The ruling of the Court of Justice only supports UEFA and FIFA because the Super League was a closed league, not allowing relegation promotion, and so and was that therefore regarded as a cartel. And that is precisely my point. It can come back, and UEFA and FIFA will get me right in trouble when it does. Thank you very much. That is precisely my point. That is precisely my point. The only reason anybody could have exception to this is that it was a closed shop. Because if you have exception to this when it's not a closed shop, then you must have an exception to the Champions League then. Because that's a, degrade, a, a degrading of English football by the very nature of only a certain amount of teams, teams can participate in it and they get all the dough. And they almost now get as much dough as participating in a tournament with 16 games as you do for playing in a tournament in the Premier League with 38 games. But Simon, the bottom line is someone's got to control this lot. And the game, the the, yes, the so-called I, giants, I the limited Barcelona and uh, and Juventus, and the ones who control them have got to be UEFA. You've got to have some some organisation yes, at the top. I, say, I, yeah, look, I, I, you I, can do that. But I you understand the that. logic. If he gets up, they'll all get up. It'll be anarchy, right? I right. understand that, right? But I also don't believe that allowing one entity to have complete and utter unchallengeable autonomy over something is a recipe for competition to evolve. And we all know that football is going to have to keep on generating revenue because this gravy train of player salaries and the cost implications of football clubs isn't going to stop anytime soon. We also know that the questioning of distribution from UEFA by football clubs, including the Juventus of the world, that are in a bit of a disarray at this moment in time because of their own issues, are about the amount of money that UEFA retain, about how it's distributed, which advertisers they choose to go through. But there are a variety of ways that this will come back. But the real reason why it loses the argument, and will always lose the argument, and yeah. was always going to lose the argument, yeah. is because if you're proposing a cartel, you can't then accuse UEFA 
of being anti-competitive because you, by the very definition of your existence, were being anti-competitive. So it was a okay. fishing expedition. They might have landed a blow. They might not. But it will. As sure as day follows night, it will come again. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.